Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. The world is waiting, waiting for new thinking, for bold ideas that embrace a globally connected community, working together to create a better future for all. And that future, it can be found here at UC Riverside. Here, you'll join a community where diversity equals vitality, where support and empowerment lifts spirits and propels ideas forward. Fearless, innovative, connected. UC Riverside. Bold hearts, brilliant minds. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Kevin Turner and this is the Autosport Podcast. Well, after a year away, the 2021 Aston Martin Autosport BRDC Young Drive of the Year Award is back and uh, for our four young hopefuls this year are currently in what I imagine is a fairly nervous wait to see who has won uh, £200,000, various other goodies, and joined an illustrious list of winners uh, that includes uh, Jensen Button, David Coulthard, Lando Norris, and George Russell. Um, but I'm very pleased uh, to say that joining me is, is one of those finalists, uh, Johnny Edgar. Welcome to the All Short Podcast. How, how have you been doing since the Silverstone tests? Uh, yeah, I've been good. I had um, a Valencia test in F3 for the postseason testing, I think a couple of days after the award, and then. Since then, I've been a bit quieter just at home. I've been doing a little bit of karting just to keep busy, and then apart from that, not much else. Uh, so you, hopefully you haven't been getting too stressed and worried about the 19th of December, which is obviously when the awards are going to be, uh, when the, the, the announcement's going to be made. You managed to think about other things. Yeah, I'm obviously not thinking about it too much. Can't really change anything now. It's all happened. So yeah, I just need to wait until the night. Very sensible, very sensible. And also joining us is a, someone who's seen the award from, well, pretty much every angle. He won it in 2008. He's been the, the benchmark driver in a couple of different cars. And he's uh, he's also a judge. It's a Formula E race winner, Alexander Sims. How, how are you doing, Alexander? You're just back from Petit Le Mans, aren't you? Yeah, well, good. Thanks, Kevin. On UK time nowadays. Um, but yeah, no, it was fun in Petit Le Mans. But yeah, we, we had a, a DNF at the last dying moments. So um, a bit of a shame. But still formulary kicks off in a couple of weeks in Valencia so onwards and upwards do you remember what the wait was like between the the tests at uh, what is it Snetterton wasn't it your year Snetterton and then the uh, then the announcement 
I, th- I think that I was doing some testing and stuff to get ready for the following season. So on those, around those days, it was super easy to, to not worry too much. But, um, I, I vividly remember the few days before the awards where, you know, by, by that time in the year, normally you're not doing a huge amount. Um, and just, yeah, the nerves racking up. And I've, I was at my grandparents party uh one of their birthday parties for lunch and then the drive up from Purley into london staying in yeah in the car park for a bit just killing time with my dad for hours leading up to the awards and and yeah it was it was a very nervous moment yeah i feel really sorry for the finest actually because they got to go through the whole night at the grosvenor house so it's the last award normally that's announced so you can't uh yeah must be uh must be sitting there with nerves waiting for all the other awards to get handed out but um anyway johnny let's give uh so let's go back to you and say can you give us a, a bit of an idea of how you got into the sport really and, and why you want to be a, a racing driver in the first place uh well a lot of people in my family have raced before in karting i think yeah, my granddad and grandma did it um, on my dad raced um, yeah my uncles um, on my dad and mum's side have both raced karting and then yeah from pretty much when I was born I was always at a kart track on the weekends when my dad was racing and then when I was yeah not long after I turned three years old I drove a kart for the first time and then yeah well been racing since I was eight and yeah just carried on racing since really I mean, it's, uh, yeah, a lot of people start in karting, but that really is, uh, you kind of, it almost seems inevitable, really. But what made you step from karting into car racing? Because obviously some people forge careers in karting, like they'd never come out of that. So what was the, the sort of thing that pressed you to go into single seaters? Yeah, from, from when I was young, I always wanted to be a Formula One driver. And then at the end of 2017, after I won the European Championships in karting, uh, we got an email from Red Bull and then had a meeting with them. And yeah, I joined the junior team. So 2018, I was part of a junior team, but still in karting because I was too young to do F4. And then obviously they put me into F4, but it was probably what I would have done anyways. But obviously they would, they decided what I did. And yeah, that's when I've stepped up to F4. Now, now, Johnny was very successful with his step out of karting into cars. And obviously won the 2020 uh, German Formula 4 Championship, uh, which is regarded as one of the one of the top F4 series. But uh, Alexander, can you give a bit of, can you cast your mind back and, and think what the main challenges were from jumping from karting into, into single seaters? Was it a culture shock or did it seem a fairly natural uh, progression from what you've been doing? Uh, no, for me, it was, it was quite unnatural, to be honest. Um, getting used to downforce was something that took me a little bit of time to, to understand how to, to make a car work with that. Um, but I mean, I was, I was 19 when that happened, you know, 18, 19 when I made that transition. Um, I mean, Johnny, how old were you when you first stepped in the Formula 4 car? Yeah, 14 I was. That's at the time, mad. The first time I <laughs> That's just mad. You know, I didn't even start senior karting at that point. Um, and I, I guess you hadn't either. But like to me, I then did four years of senior karting and still the transition to cars when I was 18, almost 19 years old was um, was quite a shock. And I don't know whether actually being younger and not having such a cemented feel of um of a go-kart or, or something or being younger and more, more adaptable i don't know helps maybe but um yeah fair play to, to you guys for doing what you do at such a young age because i found it quite tough 
took me a good year, I would say, before I really got my head around aero and, and making it work in the higher speed corners. Uh, and Johnny, you had another big step then, didn't you? So you went, obviously had a successful season in 2020 in Formula 4, but you then jumped into uh, the FI Formula 3 Championship uh, for this year um, uh, without doing the same interim series such as you know the Formula uh, Regional European or something like that. So uh, what, what, what was the thinking behind that and how did you find it? Because obviously the season started pretty well, but then it was obviously quite, it's quite a tough environment, isn't it? Again, it was Red Bull's choice. They choose where I go and I think we do with all the drivers really we seem to uh, yeah, keep them in F4 and then want to move out of F4 and go straight through I think I think this year it's a little bit better with the former regional but in, since the kind of changed and we got rid of GP3 and F3 and kind of merged it I think the series between F4 and F3 weren't always getting the best grids so I think that was kind of a reason why Red Bull put the drivers straight to Formula 3 and yeah, obviously it's a, it's a huge step from F4, like the braking, yeah, all the downfalls, the tyres, the limit, like how limited the track time is. You go from F4 doing minimum two days every track you race on to having maybe 40 minutes on a track you haven't driven on and you maybe haven't even driven a car for six weeks. So it's, it's quite different in that respect. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, you were with Carlin, of course, who I think they, they'd be fairly honest about perhaps not being top of the F3 tree at the moment. I know they're making changes for next year. So how difficult was it to stay motivated during the season? Because obviously the previous year, you'd come off winning races and fighting for the championship. Uh, was it was it a tricky thing to get your head around or was it just, well, focus on what I'm doing and, and do the best I can? Uh, obviously, it's difficult because you want to be, obviously you want to win, but not even if you're not winning, you want to be up at the front. And yeah, some weekends were better than others and we were, not too far from any other weekends we struggled a lot more and yeah but the main thing is just yeah trying to do the best you can and think focusing on your teammates because they're the only ones you get the data of trying to improve from what they're doing and doing the best you can really with what you have yeah, no, that seems that seems fair enough. Well, obviously your performances uh, got you into the, the 2021 award uh, and that constituted um, obviously some time on the Mercedes simulator. Um, Athletic Thinking did some fitness tests and then we had the two days at Silverstone um, with three different cars, the Motorsport Vision Formula 2, Garage 59 Aston Martin GT3 and BBM Sport Ginetta LMP3 machinery. Uh, so I'm going to go to Alexander first uh, on this one because uh, the, you know, the Silverstone tests are really, uh, for me one of the highlights of the year what are you looking for from the you know from the young drivers when they when they rock up to essentially drive three cars that they won't have driven before um i think we were very privileged with the award um in running it at silverstone with the cars that we have available and to have two days that we can actually look at a vast array of different uh situations with with the finalists so it's thankfully not really just specific specific on one aspect you know we can see them um in a whole host of machinery and different run types whether it be a short qualifying run or a longer run or you know um we're we're very lucky in that respect but um ultimately obviously lap time is is the key um and and we need to see speed but just witnessing what the guys are like jumping in between different cars how they're working with their engineers um, how good their, their, or I don't know how good their feedback is, but we, you know, we, we overlook it and, and, and see and then get feedback from the engineers that they've worked with on, on the, the quality of their feedback and things. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's brilliant to, to see them 
adapt in such a short amount of time. As you mentioned at the start, you know, I've been a reference driver myself and and one year when I know the car inside out. And even then, you know, I was absolutely up against it to be the fastest guy. And the, the finalists come in and they've got 12, 15 laps in the GT3 and LMP3 cars. And you know they're absolutely pushing, um, and it's it's just phenomenal the job that they do. And uh, and so yeah, to to pick the winner is always a really really difficult task, you know, because there there's such such varied situations that we put these finalists through that inevitably you know there's different people who are strong in different phases of the award. So it's a, it's a fascinating thing to, to judge. Yeah, it really is. The amount of data available is incredible. So I think Ian Titchmarsh, a fellow judge, has several binders full of, of data and times and telemetry and graphs and things that he looks after because he's he's that kind of archivist, that guy. So, But, but uh, Johnny, what, what uh, were you able to do any preparation ahead of the test? Were you able to speak to any former finalists, any onboards? Were you able to do anything in your busy season? Yeah, I had some time to do some stuff. Obviously, I did a little bit of simulator at home and then spoke to some people um, who've yeah, raced GT3s and some people who've raced LMP3s. Um, and then, yeah, some previous people who've done the award. So, yeah, you get a bit of advice, but still, whatever you hear, you still got to go out and do it and feel for yourself what's happening. So, yeah, you, how much you're prepared is still quite different, especially with the limited time you get in the LMP3 and GT3 cars. Yeah, it is very short. Probably for for those that don't know, it's a couple of couple of fairly short runs on old rubber and then and then new tyres and that that's it. So you sort of out three times, quick debriefs in between to speak to uh, whoever the whoever the unfortunate benchmark driver happens to be, uh, and and then back out again. But the F2 car, so you spend a bit more, you know, it's a day and a half in that really with your own engineer, your own car. So we've got the four F2 cars out at the same time, which obviously makes the judging job much easier because you don't have to factor in, uh, you know, tyre. Uh, uh, sorry, the track development. So, Johnny, how did you feel that it went? Was there a particular session or a particular car you sort of got out of and went, yeah, that that was really good? Or was there a moment that, that you sort of, you know, you look back on and go, yeah, that was, I really enjoyed that? Yeah, obviously the GT3 was quite different. Um, obviously something I haven't done before, ABS and traction control and just the weight of the car was, um, yeah, quite a big difference to what I'm used to. But yeah, I don't think that went too bad. And then I think the LMP3 was probably the car I liked the best. It quite surprised me actually because from what like the lap times to see, I didn't think it would feel that quick. But it yeah, it surprised me, and especially high speed. I really liked how the car felt with the LMP3. Uh, Alexander, I do find it remarkable as well how often the young drivers are, as you say, either on the on the pace of the benchmark driver or dare we say, occasionally pip them to pole. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and it's an unusual situation, isn't it? Not just for young drivers, but it's very rare that any professional driver would get the chance to jump in three different cars on the same, you know, across the same day. So it's really quite an unusual challenge, isn't it? Yeah, very, very different to to anything that I had done before the award or, or have done since. To be honest, um, I mean, the, the closest thing I've done is is an Autosport F3 historic experience that that you helped to organize actually where i jumped in in a few different oh, was a great day, yeah. <laughs> that was brilliant but literally other than that you know you just never drive multiple cars in a day because you're there to to drive the car that um either you're 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 racing in or, be, or being paid to drive or whatever for for a gentleman so um so yeah it's a it's a very unique situation um 
but yeah, massively enjoyable. I mean, uh, one question that I've got, Johnny, I assume that most of us are the same, but in your career up, up to this point, have you had that scenario put on you before? Even in simulators, do you, I guess at home, maybe you jump in between cars just for on fun simulator evenings or something, but is that new to you? Yeah, I think I've never driven more than one car in a day that I can remember. Even even back to like karting, I've never driven like two different engines of karting in one day, or even like different tyres. Really, maybe another time you'll try between different tyres. That's something small, but no, I've never never changed between cars before. And never really in the same week done like a test in one car, and maybe a few days after something else. But yeah, having it. Thirty minutes after jumping in a completely different car, it's really different. And did it did it ever sort of catch you out? Did you ever think, oh, hang on, I'm I need to break in a different place? Or were you as soon as you were in the next car, it was right. I'm in that mode now. How how difficult was it to switch between them? Uh, I don't think it was too bad. I think I noticed, yeah, maybe the first lap in the LMP3 because I did it after the GT3 in like one or two corners. I kind of braked at the GT3 point when kind of realised, oh, that's too early and then, yeah for the next up adjusted but it was fairly easy to adjust between them I think it'd be really good if we could get some current F1 drives to come along and do the test as well I'd love to see uh, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton thrown into three different cars at the same place at the same time I think that could be entertaining but that's probably probably getting a bit off uh, off on a tangent there but um, so so Johnny what next um, what, what, what's happening in, for, for you in 2022 what's the next uh, stage of your of your career plan um, uh, with Red Bull I suppose yeah, it's looking like it's going to be F3 again with a different team. But yeah, same thing, which I think it's good to repeat the championship. Obviously, you have experience, know some of the tracks, you know the tyre, the car. So yeah, I think it's always good to do another year, especially after a difficult year, to make sure you kind of yeah have a good year before moving up, before you kind of fully figured everything out well of course that's why we um alexander that's why we actually introduced the the sort of fia f3 rookie part of the eligibility because previously if once you got to that level you couldn't you couldn't do it but obviously the cars are that much quicker now the track running is so limited we have said well we're going to let rookies in and you look at someone like dennis hauger who had quite a apparently difficult season in 2020 and then he came out and he won the championship this year so that shows you how much of a step you can make from one year to the other just in in the same category also, um, Dewan, who was second in F3, the top two the year before, I think, even compared to teammates, struggled a lot. And then, yeah, this year they were the two best people on the grid, yeah, winning races, podiums often. So, yeah, it shows how big of a difference it can make with one year of experience. Because, yeah, people don't forget how to drive and then learn again in a year. It's just, I think, yeah, with a limited time, it's easy to str- struggle immensely hard to figure out with the limited time one thing i was just going to ask johnny or talk about i guess it was was stressing with the schedule that you've got in f3 with such limited testing on the race weekends and also the 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 characteristics of the tire is such that you surely do so few laps in practice even before qualifying and so i would have thought as a rookie it's super easy to find yourself in a bit of a rut where you don't have enough laps in practice to get up to speed of the people that have done it for a year already and so then you start the weekend in a lower position than your sort of ability would suggest and then 
by default, you're playing catch up the whole weekend in dirty air, not able to to showcase things. So that second year, yeah, you, you, I can totally appreciate how it's possible to make a big jump if yeah you are a good driver and um, once you've got that that bit of experience. I remember Barcelona this year. It was obviously first round of the season, and in practice, everyone used one set of tires. So obviously, you have fuel for the full session. And pretty much the whole grid's best lap of the session was the first push lap. But because of how much the tyres drop off. But obviously, second year, like, when we looked at the data after the session, for me, obviously, I improved braking massively by the end of the session and improved a lot of things, but the tyre grip's not there. Whereas in the second year, you can you can kind of trust, maybe you're not going to be at 100%, but you can be at 95% in the braking rather than 80 I mean, yeah, I think you just start off, start off at a better point and then... Again, quality, you probably your first lap, you trust more of a car, you're starting off further up, so then you leave less to do in the later runs, and it just makes everything easier, really. It, it does seem one of the paradoxes of uh, sort of junior single-seater racing that um, obviously you're supposed to be learning the ropes and then you've got massively restricted uh, track time, obviously for cost reasons. We you know, we know why those restrictions are there, but um, I guess an F1 team would say, well, we need you to be able to jump in when you uh, go and do your rookie test or whatever anyway. So uh, so maybe it's just, uh, it's just getting you ready for that. It, it seems bizarre to me as well, though, that, in F3, you know, you still got stuff to learn. So you need track time. When I was in F3, we had Friday, all of Friday, which was testing. I don't know what we had, like two hours, two and a half hours of testing on a fairly hard tire compared to what these F3 guys are running on. Um, and so you just get that track time to learn. Um, it's bonkers what, what, yeah, the young guys are faced with nowadays. It's a, it's a tough job, very tough job. Indeed, indeed, and uh, yeah. F- final, final word to you, uh, uh, Johnny. What are you, what are you planning to do between now and the nineteenth of December? Have you got a way of, of chilling, or are you already starting to look for look to prepare for next season? Yeah, I think I'll be doing some preparation for next year, going to the new team. Yeah, probably a bit more karting just to keep driving something, and yeah, just a bit of fun as well. Uh, apart from that, probably just spending some time at home, which is yeah. yeah quite rare yeah of course yeah it's, uh, it's actually that's something I've really noticed over the recent years is how many of the finalists are, are jet setting around and spend very little time at, at home it seems so um, yeah and a lot of commitment required from a very young age all our finalists this year are between 16 and 18 which is quite remarkable I can't remember how, how old were you Alexander when you won it I can't, can't remember well I only started Formula Renault when I was 18 so I think I must have been just at the end of my 19th year or 20 i can't actually remember terrible um oh, so not too old then you weren't you weren't too past it by then no no and i'd hope that i'm still not too past it thanks kevin but uh <laughs> but it was <laughs> well, a long I don't time know, ago your your beard suggests otherwise. I mean, you're doing much better than me on the uh, the facial hair stakes there. I mean, look at Johnny. You can tell he's young, but I mean, we're we're beginning to show our age. I think. All right. Well, um, I'll stop. Um, I'll stop berating out as hard as him. So it's very very unfair of me as a very well respected and excellent judge and racing driver. So thank you very much, Alexander Sims, and thank you very much, uh, Johnny Edgar, for for joining us today. Um, and thank you to you, the listener. Uh, we'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The world is waiting, waiting for new thinking, for bold ideas that embrace a globally connected community, working together to create a better future for all. And that future, it can be found here at UC Riverside. Here, you'll join a community where diversity equals vitality, where support and empowerment lifts spirits and propels ideas forward. Fearless, innovative, connected. UC Riverside. Bold hearts, brilliant minds. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.